Welcome to the new Wolsey Theatre podcast. I'm Jack. I'm Zana. And I'm Catherine. Come with us behind the scenes where we take you backstage, on stage, front of house and everywhere in between. In this episode, we're talking to David Phillips, known around the theatre as Mr P, who is our Head of Production and Facilities. Welcome, Mr P. Thank you for having me along. Just to kick things off, what's the role of Head of Production and Facilities at the New Orsley Theatre? Yeah, it's quite a dry dry job title, isn't it? Um, So I always joke that I'm Head of Production and Toilets. So let's take the facilities (laughs) bit first. Um, It's basically been in charge of the building and and the plumbing and all of that sort of, in quotes, boring stuff. I mean, people get very excited about facilities. I, (laughs) I don't. And then the production bit is basically I get given a, a lump of money and uh, and uh, people go and make a show. I don't get to choose what show we're doing, but I, I'm there to support the director and uh, help the creative team and the designers and all that sort of stuff realise the show on stage. Um, so that's uh, that's sort of my job uh, in a nutshell. What does it mean to produce a show? What are the steps involved or, you know, from right from the beginning to the end when it then begins on stage? Big sliding scale. So yeah. um, if you're doing a Wolsey Panto, which I mean, sure, you can imagine is, uh, you know, absolutely enormous and has got loads of things that you've, lots of things to juggle, literally, this year. Uh, uh, it's very different to doing, uh, we've got TIE show going out and that's a very, so, so the TIE show will have a very short production process, which is that chatting with the designer, getting designs, saying if we can afford them, usually not, knocking bits off the corners of it working out if we can do all that sort of stuff and supporting those creatives. That's quite a short process. To give you an idea, Goldilocks opens at the end of uh, November and we've already got what we call a white card. We've already had a white card model of the show, which is basically a scale model of our theatre and it's um, a uncoloured uh, version of the set design, which is in 3D. So it's a beautiful 3D model, but uh, and it's a concept from the designer Cleo of a circus top uh, this year. But uh, she's already brought that along and gone, right, what can we afford? What can't we afford? How do we solve this problem? Um, there's a bit in the show where they have to uh, find, they find a vault underneath the uh, underneath the circus ring. They have to climb through the stage. How do we do that? And we go through all of that. But that's, I mean, I mean, we're talking in you know, May at the moment, and um, that's you know not until November. So I think it's the it's the it's the length of of process for that. Uh, yet uh, with a show like Kinky Boots, which we're producing, we're still in the process of appointing and having discussions with designers, and that opens in September. So it's a it, it's a big sliding scale, but basically about six months out you start those conversations. And the thing that thing that people find mind-blowing, and young people especially when I'm, I'm talking to young people, is then we have three weeks rehearsals and then we do the show. Yeah. So so we do all this run-up to get to first day rehearsals. That's such a big deal for everybody because it's like, and now you're in the building. Three weeks and, you know, at the end of those three weeks, we do a little bit of technical, put it into the theatre and then we open a show. And whatever happens, for instance, for Panto, 7.30 on that Thursday evening, there has to be a show ready to show people. Mm. Now, that's the magic of theatre. There's not like extending it. You know, it's not like making a film that hasn't quite, well, we've had time to finish that. We'll do another week on, you know, on reshoots or whatever. No, you've got to do it. There's people turning up. And that's, I think, in a nutshell, why people work in this industry. Um, last night we opened uh, we opened Birds and Bees at Norwich Playhouse and you know we knew at 7.30 we had the actors on stage at uh, 3 o'clock getting used to the new space everything else uh, by half past 5 they had to have a cup of tea have the dinner do a warm up do a show that's it there's 200 people coming to watch it yep. and I think that's why people you know like you know me love this industry is because that's it it's it's hitting that deadline and that deadline is immovable how hard is it as well to juggle kind of multiple things at one time so obviously we've got kinky boots we've got goldilocks coming up and those are going to overlap with your time how hard is it to kind of juggle 
those two big productions amongst others as well. It's really interesting. So when you're a freelance, I've been a freelance production manager, which is head of production, but you know, without the bells and whistles. Um, and I've also, I'm also head of production here at the Woolsey. And they're two very different things. Because when you're a production manager, you can just go, I'm doing a show, I'm doing this show time slicing everything else here somebody could go oh the toilet's leaking yeah uh, or uh, i walked down to the green room at uh, to get a cup of tea at 11 o'clock and the radiator on the walls sprung a leak so that's my problem as well right. so it is really really difficult and you're quite you're very very reliant on the team around you um to to help you out and just go have you um you and you've all got to be talking yeah and in this world where we've spent two and a half years on zoom actually the easiest way to make all that stuff and juggle it is to be in a building with other people and be able to walk around, have a conversation in the green room, have a conversation, you know, walk through the, an open plan office and go, oh, just by the way, seeing capacity for this or whatever. Um, so that's, yeah, it's really, really tough. And, you know, just uh, we all get to talk about mental health these days. You'll find a lot of production managers who ha- have uh, who do it a lot have struggled a lot with pressure. Right. And, and that time slicing. And the pressure thing is... You never please anybody. So you have been given an amount of money and then you've got a load of creative people who want to spend all of that money on their thing. Um, and uh, then you've got people below you. You've got to get to do that for the least amount of money possible. Sure. So you're the guy who says no all the time to everybody and all that sort of stuff. So it's a really tough gig and also it's a really hidden gig. Nobody, you know, you don't get a production management award at the Olivier's, do you? You know what I mean? It's not glamorous. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really tough. And you spoke about um, sort of a little bit about the team as well and saying how important it is that everyone knows their roles. Mm. So, you know, you're, you're head of, of production and facilities here. Who else have we got? And, and kind of how do you split those roles up between you all? So we're a really dinky team here at the Walls because we're only a 400-seat regional theatre. I've worked in uh, much, much bigger places like Curvin Leicester where all the, everything is departmentalised. But here, there's a team of myself, the technical manager, Pete, and... Uh, you know, like I look after toilets, uh, Pete looks after the IT. Um, and then we've got two senior technicians um, who look after stage and lighting and sound and video. Um, and then we've got a couple of technicians underneath and that's it. And it's a, it's a one team technical production, everything else. We do everything. So when our set builders bring us a set, we put it, put it up, we hang the lights up for the lighting designer, we point the lights in the right direction, we help the sound designer, we do, you know, we operate shows. We do everything here. Yep. And uh, one of the big things that we're, you know, the industry is struggling with is the fact that, um, you know, young people don't really know it's a job. And then within seconds, they find out it's a job and it's the most brilliant thing they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's a, you know, it, we're a very, very hidden. And, you know, we're, you know, and technical production departments, all that sort of stuff are always populated by people who don't want to be on stage. We are not failed actors. Uh, we are quite happy in the dark, not talking to the general <laughs> yeah. public. And we all have great respect for the people who work front of house and have to deal with the public. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, but it's, it's a team. It's, you know, it's a small team who have to do everything. Thinking yeah. like along those lines of teams, and you mentioned awards earlier, we recently won Best Digital Pantomime, I believe, for Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, you were head of production? We did. We did. Um, yeah, uh, my technical manager um, and I colluded. Basically, the whole journey started with Snow Queen. So um, in Deepest Darkest Lockdown, um, uh, we, we colluded as a theatre to um, create a uh, panto that we could get more people in than just the 100 people we were allowed in uh, due to COVID restrictions. And we uh, created the Snow Queen, which was a blended Panto. And the simplest way for people who haven't seen it, the, 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 the games we played with that was um, that the Snow Queen was also the fairy. So what could happen is uh, the Snow Queen could walk off stage onto a screen and be in a filmed bit of the show. And then somebody could, uh, the actor could be doing quick change and then pop up the trap. 
And it's like how it's the same, but it's on screen, and uh, and that's and and Jack and the Beast was a massive development of that. There's lots of green screen. There's lots of um, fun things of uh, you know um, the journey to market with Bessie the cow was shot in Suffolk. It was a journey through uh, through Ipswich on a bus um, and all that sort of stuff, and um, that was all blended in. But with live, we kept the live music aspect. Um, so yeah, and it just brought people in, and you know that we we were, we were part of a you know a, a group of theatres who were who went for it and we got the award which was great because we just threw everything at it so Pete Hazelwood and Jake Baranoff um, basically spent you know 70 hours a week for four weeks um, um, editing and you know putting people in front of green screens and doing all sorts of magic and it was a very it was a very magical experience and you know quite rightly uh, we won an award you know sometimes you should be humble about awards but I think this one (laughs) No. We absolutely earned that. And we earned it as an organisation for being brave enough to actually mm. do it. I mean, it's yeah. not just the people who did it. It's the fact that everyone embraces the idea that, you know, live streaming is the way forward. And it's not just revenue. Live streaming is the way forward for people who are unable to come to the theatre, who are shielding, who are, you know, still a bit scared of coming out or, you know, just want a different experience. And we'll be doing the same with Goldilocks um, this year. And the Goldilocks digital aspect will be almost like DVD extras this year. So we'll be, you know, be able to go to different places uh, before the show and see people getting ready and we'll have different shots on stage so you can be close up with a drum kit and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, that's where we're going with that. So yep. um, we, you know, we've got to keep constantly evolve. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's great that we still offer that and we're sort of looking to continue offering that. We're going to move to sort of, uh, we'll we, we stay on Goldilocks, it's one of the biggest shows, Tech Week for that. What what does a Tech Week mean? What does that look like start, from start to finish? Tech Week, um, uh, so we do a production rotor, so rotor hours for Tech Week. Um, so we'll uh, turn up at the theatre on uh, Monday, well, we have a build week, so we do two weeks. So we build the set, put the lights up, everything else in the first week, and then we do a tech week. We'll talk about tech week. Um, so we'll be doing something like between 66 and 77 hour rotated hours. We'll probably go over that um, as, as team members. Um, and on the Monday morning, actors will turn up um, and we'll put the setup and everything else and we'll do a full day sound checking all the musical numbers in the rock and roll panto. And then the evening we'll start technical rehearsal, um, which is everyone gets into costume and then we just go through the show really slowly and um, put all the elements in place. And uh, that's... Uh, so that we'll do that on Monday, Tuesday, we'll do a three session day of that. So we'll start at nine in the morning, we'll finish at 10 at night. Yeah. Um, and by Wednesday evening, we'll get a dress rehearsal in. And then, you know, unless you know um, how theatre works, I mean, if you're in the West End, you get two months to tech a show. We get four days. Yeah. And we've got a show to an audience on that Thursday night. So it's about budget. It's about how long we can keep a building with no audience in. Um, so yeah, we just, uh, yeah, smash through it. Um, and then we run it for uh, 89 performances until, you know, just a few then. March next year or something. <laughs> yeah. And sort of the live streaming element of that, we'll come back to that a bit. So how does that change Tech Week? Obviously, it's quite a new thing, live streaming, or not a new thing, but it's something we're doing more. How does that change? What, how much time does that take up in that, in that, in that Tech Week? With Jack and the Beanstalk, it was fully integrated. So we had, uh, we, we sort of had people in all sorts of disparate bits of the building, uh, working together. So, you know, you'd be normally you all sit in the same, in the auditorium and you work together, but actually you had people running cameras in different places in the building and everything else. So the communication's really tough. This year with Goldilocks, we've done a shorter, uh, a shorter live streamed section, which means we can get the show open polished and then we can then we can play with it and put the cameras on it yeah sure that will speed the process up and make it more polished uh straight away for us uh but yeah there's a huge amount of work and it's uh, the most important thing about us 
um, you know, as theatre makers, is it's the communication. So you've all got to be able to communicate what you're trying to do. So if you think of something you see on stage, loads of people have had to talk to each other to make that bit work, and that is mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big it's a big old ask, but you know, everyone gets on with it. Every so often, people you know flip a table, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Um, but you know, but broadly, you know, even though we're we're staring at each other for 13, 14 hours a day, sometimes and um, we all get on pretty damn well. Pretty quite important, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. And the the accessibility part of that is a big thing. What's the and it's a big thing for the Woolsey. What's the technical side of making a show accessible, live streaming and in the auditorium? Yeah, I mean we've we've um, because the we, the work we do with Ramps on the Moon um, and you know we've sort of the uh, the bastion of Ramps on the Moon. We as soon as we decided to do something new, we also go actually what what is the access element of that? So um, back in uh, Snow Queen days, we go back to Snow Queen. Um, so we're offering um, a captioned stream, BSL stream, audio described stream, and a clear stream. So we uh, at any one time, we've got three streams coming out of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, on Snow Queen, two hours before we did the BSL version of the uh, the Snow Queen, our BSL interpreter, Kaz, who'd done all the prep and everything else, uh, had uh, failed a lateral flow test. Oh. And uh, we... Uh, uh, went into overdrive. We sent somebody over to her house, gave her a green screen to stand in front of, um, and put her on a Zoom call. And she live interpreted via Zoom a live stream that was going out of the building. And then we superimposed her, because she was on a green background, onto the live stream. Wow. I mean, that uh, is amazing. <laughs> and it was just one of those things. And because we were all in the mid-pandemic, and we it, we were all so fired up, we've got to make this work. Yeah. Every, you know, and we had so many, we had some nights we had a thousand screens watching, which you multiply that up for families who'd be watching that screen. It's incredible. And the responsibility that we, we felt. But yeah, so this, uh, so this year, Hopefully, be slightly calmer. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, so um, so access on all on all our performances, our live stream performances, we will have live captioning, which just rolls at the bottom of the of the screen, and we will have um, audio description as well. And then for certain performances, we then switch that captioning over to um, uh, BSL interpreted uh, performance, and um, our uh, BSL interpreter will uh, be just cut in picture in picture uh, for that. But yeah, it's 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 making it work. That's the thing. I think that's the thing we do as a as a small organisation because we're so small, um, because we feel like we're embedded in Ipswich. Um, it gives us a, um, a, a really good ability to react. Yeah. So when we decided to do something like the Snow Queen, and you know, no one else was daring to even think about doing a panty, we went, yeah, we'll do it. Oh, and we'll build the set ourselves. Oh, and we'll do this. Oh, and we'll do that. And we'll do it for not very much money, just in case it all goes wrong. And 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 it was this amazing success. So that's the great thing about having a regional theatre in your town that belongs in your town is because you can be small, you can be react, you can do shows like um, Never Lost a Home, you can do things that react to to that place and that county and those those places it belongs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so a typical a typical day for you, what does that look like? And uh, also kind of an, an extra little question in there, what's the funniest thing that's ever kind of maybe gone wrong or happened to you during a show or during a day, something that is, uh, yeah, something you remember very well. We hear you've got a lot of stories about this. <laughs> it's all lies. Um, <laughs> there is no typical day. And that's why I think a lot of us work in the industry. So the last, it, I'm sitting here on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, I was here on uh, Monday looking after rehearsals. On Tuesday, I was in Norwich putting a show in. I then had to get to the Panto Awards by half past seven in London. Uh, and then I had to be back in Norwich at nine o'clock on Wednesday morning to put 
continue putting birds and the bees in we opened the show last night and i was back in the building here at 10 o'clock this morning <laughs> um, uh, there is no typical you have to be on your phone all the time and now we do emails there's no escape because nope. back in the day when i started when you had like rehear- th- like notes coming out rehearsals or lighting plans used to come used to come by fax Ooh. I bet neither of you even know what a fax machine is. But you were, because of the, the lack of communication technology, it slowed everything down and made everything a little bit more chilled. But now everyone can get hold of you at any point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, you just, it's the treadmill. And every so often you get, right, phone off. I am disconnecting from this industry for yeah. two days. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, there is no typical day, but that's why it's magic. And that's why, and I think that goes across an organization. I think that's why it's magic for everybody is that, you, you know, you know, if you don't like one show, there's another show coming up next week or, you know, we don't like tonight's show. Tomorrow there's a different show. I mean, even that alone is like, there is always something new coming along. Yeah. As for, um, hilarious stories, it is one of the things when you talk to school kids, the two things they ask you is, um, what are your hilarious stories and how much you get paid? Um, <laughs> always. That was our next question, actually. Well. <laughs> everyone either thinks you get paid loads because they think of film stars and, and anyone who t- walks and works in visual theatre will tell you, you don't get paid loads. <laughs> you certainly don't get any overtime. Um, or uh, you get paid absolutely nothing at all. It's funny, isn't it? Because uh, for the people listening to this podcast, things that I would go, oh, do you remember when this happened? And then if you're not theatre people, you go, I have no context yeah. for this. Um, I do have a very jolly story, which I shall wheel out for you, um, which is back in my formative years when I was about 16 or 17, um, we were doing a performance of Cinderella. And uh, back in those days, it was less frowned upon to have real horses. <laughs> um, so we had real horses and um, uh, they built a stable on the back of the theatre and what they did is uh, they used to take these horses out every so often and walk them around the local park they'd put them away on Christmas Eve and we'd had Christmas Day off and back on the Boxing Day Panto and they took them out and I think the uh, the horses got a bit narky that they'd been <laughs> left in this stable for, for Christmas Day and didn't get their Christmas dinner or whatever uh, and they broke free um, <laughs> cue picture of uh, well of uh, people running around anyone from the theatre running around the local park tr- chasing two Shetland ponies <laughs> trying to get them back um, uh, into anywhere near the theatre for a start because uh, they weren't coming back um, but you know you know, there's a happy ending to everything <laughs> did, they, did they get them back? yeah they yeah. got them back <laughs> were you one of the people running? I don't do I don't run on camera <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean it's you know you know, and then there's there's lots of others which I definitely can't tell <laughs> tell you all on a podcast. For another I'll tell podcast. you I'll tell you afterwards. When <laughs> you we we normally ask as well, like a a question at the end to especially if we have actors here, um, what was their first production? But I guess for you we'd want to sort of ask you, why did you get into theatre production? Like sort of why why this job? There's a lovely story about this. So when I was doing my GCSE drama, and I basically did GCSE drama because people like me do GCSE drama to hide from having to do games <laughs> or engage with all the people who are going to beat them up, quite frankly. Um, my lovely drama teacher knew the production manager at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry. So I went and did my work experience. And this is mid-90s, uh, or early 90s, actually. So um, health and safety wasn't really a thing. <laughs> so I have done, I did a lot of dangerous things at the age of 14, like pulling lights up into the theater ceilings and everything else. And, uh, I did my, I did two weeks and they, 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 uh, 
they um, we were part of a production process for a show called Seven Two Masters, which is what uh, One Man Two Governors is based on. Okay. It's the original play. So also, if you're 14 and everyone's prattling around and there's cake going everywhere, and <laughs> it's great fun. So that was I was in from that point. Yeah. Um, but then you fast forward to uh, working at the Wolsey now. Uh, Margaret Locke, who's our amazing wardrobe supervisor, um, who comes in and freelances for us. Uh, Margaret Locke was working in the wardrobe department when I did. I was deputy head of wardrobe at the Belgrade Theatre when I was fourteen, doing my work experience, and we met then. Oh, really? Wow. The world, the world of theatre. You meet people all the time, all the way through, and you bump into people. And then I realised, Margaret, 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 got my program out for my work experience. There's a name in the back of the program. So yeah. In from an early age, uh, and then it's just like as soon as you've experienced it and have been, you know, been part of a process of making work, that's it. And then I knocked on the door of my local theatre as soon as I turned 16 and went, you've got any work? Yeah. So my first Christmas show, my first show that I worked on was Barnum, um, the Royal Spot Centre, Livingston Spa, uh, in 1994, and I was a follow spot operator. And the notable moment mo- of that is, if you don't know Barnum, there's a lot of circus, really cool circus stuff. And our coup de theatre was basically um, the actors and the ensemble built a zip wire live over the audience, and then uh, uh, he would then zip wire in from the back of the back balcony wow. over the audience and then do a number. And when you've had experiences like that as a young person, it's just like, well, you know, what, let's carry on. Any what chance else we've got we that in Goldilocks? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put in a request. <laughs> Look out for some flying people, though. <laughs> I think we'll go for that. <laughs> no, you're right. The, I think one thing that really strikes me about the theatre is just all the people coming in and out all the time, all the different companies, um, cast members, that kind of thing. It's one of the things I love the most, just getting to meet new people all the time. So whenever the stage is empty, I feel like, oh, this is a quiet day. I want people around again. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you always keep relationships with people. It's theatre people are really strange. You, you never say goodbye. It just, it, you leave off and then you pick up exactly when you, you come back into a building. So people can tour through the Woolsey that I've worked with 10, 15 years ago. And we'll literally pick, pick our, our friendship back up and we'll carry on. And that's how theatre works. And that's why we all get stuck in theatre because it's just such a wonderful social, social place to work. Yeah. yeah. We had that. We had that with I think um, Josie earlier as well, didn't we? Where obviously I've only been here a couple of months, but you know she's sort of come back and she's done shows here before, and it seems like she's been here all the time. It's yeah. no, nothing's ever different, and that's obviously just from a cast point of view. So one of the lovely things about the Wolsey, especially with the actor musician, the actor musician world is small. Yeah. Um. So that's you do just naturally get people back. So you look at our our, our you know our panto favourites. Yeah. For instance, you know people have done seven, eight years and you know our audiences get to know them and everything else and you know they've got their own little fan clubs and all that sort of stuff <laughs> um but yeah it is a, it's, it's a family and we you know we welcome them back and if you're spending three months in ipswich at christmas and you don't come from here you know you you're gonna you know you're gonna form a little bond with the theater you're working and everything else it's all very very jolly yeah no definitely is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you wanted to to talk about that you do or find particularly challenging or that you love about your job all positive yeah Uh, (laughs) no negative stuff um it is you know it's a time of it's a period of great change for this organization we've got a new ceo coming in which is all very exciting um so yeah i mean it's it's you know as i say it's a great industry to work in i hope uh the people of ipswich and surround because i don't want to you know it's Beris evans and the mercury and other people but um uh, really really appreciate this this in their town and we are 
to to be such a small theatre, four hundred seats, and, and and punch so so much above our weight is a, is a really unusual. So, um, yeah, it's a real pleasure to to work here and work with such a team of um, dedicated, um, energised people. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Miss P, for coming in to for talk to us. It, it, it was really great to learn about what you do and you know how that isn't a typical day of your yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please tell your friends about us and give us a share on social media. If you'd like to get involved with our podcast, please drop us an email to podcast at woolseytheatre.co.uk. We have a full and exciting programme of shows, activities and events throughout the year. For more information, visit our website at woolseytheatre.co.uk or call the box office on 01473 295 900. The New Woolsey Theatre is a registered charity and relies on funding partners, investors and donations. We gratefully acknowledge the support of Arts Council England, Suffolk County Council and Ipswich Borough Council. This podcast is for entertainment purposes, is produced and managed by our friends at podtalk.co.uk and is the copyright of the New Woolsey Theatre.